The Gospel writer Luke tells us of a time when Jesus was called upon to settle a dispute between two sisters, Mary and Martha. He writes of it with these words. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered the village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now notice, Jesus did not say to Martha that what she was doing was wrong or was not needed. Someone needs to prepare food. Someone needs to serve dishes. Someone needs to wash up afterwards. Those are requirements that we all need because we all need to eat. But Jesus was saying those things could wait. Because there was something of even higher priority than eating food at that time. And that was listening to Jesus. And that's what Mary was commended for. She realized that spending time with Jesus was of a higher priority than, well, anything. Jesus told a couple of short parables that also stressed the priority that God should hold in our lives. One begins, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So the treasure hunter sold everything, everything of any value, to obtain the one thing of highest value. And Jesus continued again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So like the treasure hunter, the pearl merchant also happily gives up everything else to acquire the one thing that he most desires. And that's how we should be about God, willing to set aside the distractions and to realize that lesser things are of lesser priority. Coming like the woman at the well with an empty cup and a burning thirst, we can't settle for anything less than Jesus himself. Let's stand. Let's sing. Like the woman at the well, I was seeking for things that could not satisfy.
so grateful for you and your faithfulness uh, to this church as well as your generosity. I saw so many of you as you were coming in carrying bags to support our Haiti orphanage that we partner with. Uh, And so thank you so much for your generosity of giving and continually being a part of building God's kingdom. And uh, just as you came in this morning, if you came prepared to give, uh, we have our giving boxes in the atrium as well as you can do so online. But let's pray for our offering this morning. Lord Jesus, we love you so much and we want to give you all glory and all honor. God, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your grace that you give us each and every day, Lord. As we uh, acknowledge and understand and see in our lives your faithfulness, may it stir within our hearts a desire to serve you and only you, Lord Jesus. We give you all glory and all honor. Thank you for how you're using this congregation and this church for your glory and your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. At seven she knew the golden rule She memorized it at her Sunday school Her grandparents took her every week Her mom and dad right now they don't speak She ran through the door with something they'd made Glitter and glue and a smile on her face Her mommy was proud just like before she put her masterpiece on the refrigerator door cotton ball sheet and old wooden cross made of popsicle sticks reaching out to the lost coloring pages cut out of a book crayola Right there, plain as could be. Salvation story, so rich and so free. But mom didn't need that stuff anymore. Oh, but just in case, there's a picture of grace on the refrigerator. Now it's never easy to parent alone 
One stormy night, he didn't come home She wondered how things could be where they are She sat in the kitchen alone in the dark She whispered a prayer, she gave up the fight The answer was there in the pale moonlight Cotton ball sheet, an old wooden cross Made of popsicle sticks reaching out to the lost Coloring pages cut out of a book Crayola red for the life that they took Hanging right there, plain as could be Salvation story so rich and so free But it never touched her like this before With tears on her face She found grace on the refrigerator grow up, they move away, they start a family and maybe someday life takes a turn, she's full of doubt, she'll come home to figure things out, a fresh cup of coffee, a moment of grace, down from the attic and back in its place, lovingly placed as they All of the answers were right there on the refrigerator door. Cotton ball sheet and a wooden cross made of popsicle sticks reaching out to the lost. Coloring pages cut out of a book. Crayola read for the life that they took. Hanging right there plain as could be salvation story so rich and for free for all of the things that life has in store and when everything's wrong he was there all along on the refrigerator door thank God for grace glitter and paste on the refrigerator Today from Matthew chapter 6. I invite you to take your Bibles and, uh, and open it up. But before I do, um, I just need to share some things with you. And um, the, uh, I can I just tell you I'm overwhelmed with the stuff going on in this world. We've got church members that are serving uh, just outside the Ukraine, and there's war going on there. I was at such a high last Sunday night when we voted to move forward with this building project that we have been putting off for seven years. And while I'm at supper on Sunday night, I hear a report uh, of sexual predators that have been um, allowed to go unchecked for years and years and years within our network of churches. And those of you who don't know, we're, we're, we're an independent church, but we're part of the largest independent network of churches in the United States. It's called the Southern Baptist Convention. And they don't, they don't tell us what we do, but we bound, we bound together for missions. And when I heard that report, the leaders at the top were just um, were hiding uh, the fact that there were sexual predators that could have moved from, that did move from church to church and they, they hid it. They discredited those that were saying these things because they were afraid that large churches would no longer support what they were doing. I was ashamed. I was ashamed and I was hurt. And some of these people are people I've looked up to and some of them have been my pastor in the past. 
And uh, so I was very ashamed. So I, I come here overwhelmed. And, uh, and then really needing to speak to you about that and wanting to pray for the, uh, those that have lost their lives in wars and those that have lost their lives in the service, the Memorial Day, wanting to pray for the veterans. And, and then the shooting that happened this week in Texas. And, uh, and young kids that went to school and were slaughtered. Uh, that hurt my heart terribly. And uh, there are just so many things that are going on. And uh, I am just overwhelmed. And I, I think that it's a right for me to speak to things like this from the pulpit. But uh, I, cannot, I cannot comment on all the sin in this world. It's too much. And what we realize is that we are a broken world a broken country, a broken world, a broken society. And uh, I would like to pray. I would love to pray for the veterans, but I just feel like the prayer needs to be broader today. I just like to pray for us, a broken people, as we get started. So would you join me in prayer? Lord, we are a people of unclean lips living among a people of unclean lips. Lord, we are broken. Lord, we can't go to an answer because we can't agree to stop fighting. Lord, I come here today humbly praying that you would have us focus in the right direction. Lord, I come confessing as part of a network of churches, Lord, that, that hid hurt that was going on for decades. And Lord, I pray that you'd bring the truth to light. Lord, I pray that you'd bring people to account. Lord, I pray that you would give us the the commitment to righteousness to never let this go unchecked again. Lord, I pray for healing. I pray for repentance and then forgiveness. Lord Jesus, I pray for our society, Lord, that allows someone to go into a classroom and kill kids. And Lord, I pray for that shooter, Lord, have mercy on his soul. Lord, I pray for the families in grief. Lord, I pray for a society that is so broken because the problems are not external, they're in our hearts. And Lord, there's a sin problem. Lord, that we need you to bring revival and healing to this country. Lord, we need peace in this world, but not peace like the world gives. We need peace like only you can give. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you would just move among us. Lord, show your power. In your precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. I told myself I wasn't going to cry this service. Have a hard time. Sorry. That's just how I am. <clears throat> now I want to change the, change the conversation, change the direction. Just give me a second here, guys. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, I, I appreciate that. I don't know if there's anything to clap about. <laughs> Everything is so tough. But anyway, uh, I'm going to be bringing a message from Matthew chapter 6. Several years ago, I went with a group of people uh, 
from our church to a, a church conference. I just needed a little bit of refreshing and several people were going to this conference and said, let me join with you. And one of them that went with us was Jeremy Dowler. You know, Jeremy Dowler, uh, he's our worship leader at Anastasia 16 location. And he, we went to the conference together and I'd been to Fort Worth. He was in Fort Worth, Texas, Dallas, Texas. I was familiar with the area. So I, I was the one who rented the car and I was the one that was going to drive. And we had a late a late night getting into DFW, one of the group had already, several of the group had already gotten to the place. And so uh, I was trying to make sure I knew exactly how to get there the best route. So I took my GPS machine. It was, it was years ago. So it was before the, uh, all the telephones were just so on top of it and sophisticated. Um, and so I had my little Tom Tom. You remember Tom Toms? Had my TomTom, had the address plugged in. I was taking my TomTom, had it there to put in the rental car, and we were going to go. And so, anyway, we leave that we leave that rental car facility at the DFW airport, and the GPS says take a left. Well, I know better. I take a right because <laughs> I have testosterone. I know where everything is. And so anyway, we're going down the highway. And as we're going down the highway, there's a big highway that goes right through the middle of DFW. There's an exit we're supposed to take. And my TomTom my -tom says to take that exit to the right. And so I've come up to the exit. And what my TomTom -tom doesn't know is that they're doing road work. And they're closing off that exit at night so they can do this road work. And so I go past this exit. It, it says I'm recalculating. It turns and gets on the interchange. Gets says to get on the interchange and take a left-hand turn and make a U-turn, and then three miles later, I'm back where I started. <laughs> so, here we go again. Driving down the highway. We come to the exit. I'm supposed to get off. I can't get off. And so my thing says recalculating. It takes me around this way, and three miles later, I'm back where I started. Okay, so round three, I'm trying it again. And I get to an exit, and I can't get off at the exit. Well, this is like 11 o'clock at night. And Jeremy Dowler, bless his heart, he's in the back seat. At this point, he goes, Pastor, Pastor, please stop listening to your GPS. Turn here. And I was looking at the GPS. I didn't see a detour sign <laughs> that I should have followed, okay? And so anyway, um, I had to change from having a conversation with my GPS to listening to the people that were in the car with me. Well, um, this year we took our staff team back to the last, the same church. We went last month for a different conference for refreshing for the whole team. And situation was different because there wasn't any road work going on this time in the DFW airport. Uh, but that wasn't how we fixed the systems because, you know, navigation systems are way more complex, way more sophisticated. They tell you when things are closing down and opening up. But the conversation wasn't about the GPS. The conversation was, who can we get to drive other than Pastor Walter <laughs> to make sure that we can get to the place on time? It's amazing how many things you can fix if you change the conversation. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to change the conversation for the things that are here on earth. Because we're never going to find fulfillment on the things on earth. Most of the promises that we have as followers of Jesus Christ are eternal promises. They're eternal. So anyway, would you please join me in standing as I read Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25. This is the, what the Word of God says. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you... By being anxious can add a single hour to his lifespan. And, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, 
Do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this word. Lord, I pray that you would help us to take it in. Lord, be blessed in the hearing and in the reading of it, but also in the application. In your precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Uh, this is from the Sermon on the Mount. This was a message that, of radical teaching. We're just finishing up a series that we're calling Radical Reality. These are red-letter words of Jesus that we've been looking at at the month of May and uh, looking at the radical teachings that Jesus gave us. And he was teaching about how much God cares for us. And because God cares, how should we respond to God's care? See, before Jesus came to earth, if I were someone who only understood about God from what the Old Testament scriptures, what the Hebrew Bible taught me, I would likely measure how I was doing in relationship to God by uh, measuring the blessings by my health or by the wealth or the provision God gave me or by the number of children that I have, I would be very tempted to measure how much God loved me by those kinds of things, okay? And then a seismic shift happened. The whole universe changed. Here's what happened. Jesus came. Jesus came. And what he did, he showed us not only the loss of the Lord, he showed us the heart of God. He showed us the heart. He, he showed what God wanted to share with us very clearly, that God still blesses people with healing. He still blesses people with provision. He still blesses people with family. But also the love of God is bigger than that. And that the Lord has a better plan for you than just what happens here on earth. That God has an eternal blessing for each and every one of you in this room. There's an eternal blessing, a forever plan, and he wants to lavish his love on you. And, and you need to understand this, that God loves you. God loves me. Say, God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. Yes, and don't just say it, believe it, know it. And poor health is not always a sign of sin. And lack of wealth is, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're hated by God. And hardship doesn't mean you're going to miss out on anything that really matters in the eternal scheme of things. That's what he told us. I was coming back from that same conference in um, Texas this past time. And uh, as I was in the airport parking lot, we got on a, on a shuttle. Pastor Dave and I got on a shuttle. And we were going back to our cars. We were in separate cars going to the airport. And after he was given off, I was in the car in the shuttle for just a minute or two with the shuttle driver. And we were alone, and he asked me, what, what do you do for a living? He said, I'm, I said, I'm a pastor. And he said, he said, he said, well, pastor, I want you to pray for me because God hates me. And I said, tell me, why do you think God hates you? And he said, well, my mother died seven years ago. I'm in a job, and I really, really hate this job, and this, is, this life is just a grind. And... Uh, and so I talked with him for just a few minutes when he's taking me from one car to the next car. And then he's having to go on to pick up people back at the terminal. And, and, and I finished off the conversation. said, hey, if you don't get anything else from this conversation, you need to understand this. God doesn't hate you. God loves you. And if you see God, if you see God, he will, want, he will show you his love. Don't run away from God thinking that he hates you. He loves you. And he wants to give his love to you. A lot of people think that God hate them. But, you know, Jesus told us that, that God's love is not measured by circumstance. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Jesus came and he showed us the heart of God. But we need to change the focus on where we think the blessings are coming from. If I look at this passage, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, just that first verse, it starts off with the word, therefore. Okay, therefore, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Therefore, I tell you, uh, don't be anxious about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink or about your body, what you put on. Therefore is a very important word. It's a word that talks about the incredible importance of context. Okay, you, you've heard it said before. So you heard it said before. If you see the word therefore, you need to figure out what it's there for. Okay. 
And basically that means you need to look before the word therefore and see what is coming up. What, what, is, what is being summed up now and why are we having a sum up here? And so if I started to just verse 25, not looking at what came before, you might think that this should be a message about dealing with anxiety. You might think that this might be a message dealing with mental illness and depression. As a matter of fact, that's what next week's message is going to be on. Because we're doing a sermon series next month called You Asked For It. And you put in all these, these questions. And at the bottom of the question, you said, Pastor, you asked for it. And we sure did. You got some, you got some doozies. And one of, you, one of the things you asked for is can you talk about mental illness and depression and, and anxiety? That'll be next week's message, but that's not this message because that's not what this Bible verse is talking about. It's talking about focus. Because if I look at the verse before, it says this, no one can serve two masters for either he'll hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Therefore, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. You see the focus that is there? See, the problem's not anxiety. It's not because there's a lack of food or clothes. It's not a food problem. It's a faith problem. It's, it's, a, it's a problem of trusting God enough. Jesus is telling us is that the anxiety that he's addressing right here is because the focus is on trying to serve ourselves and not on serving the Lord. It's seeking what we want rather than seeking the kingdom of God. And so it, it's, a, it's a two masters problem. And so the first thing I want to say to you is this. Find the source of problems. If you're dealing with anxiety, you're dealing with hurt. Find the source of problems. It's often the heart, not the hurt. It's often what's going on inside, not the thing that that seems to be attacking you from the outside. Find the source of the problems. It is often what's going on in your heart. The presenting problem is the hurt, okay? That's the thing that gets my attention in this world. That's what the hurt is. That's what I'm, I'm talking about there. Like the trips that others get to take and I don't get to take or the cars that others drive that I can't drive. Uh, that's the hurt. But that's not the problem. You know, I've had the good fortune to visit on your behalf some of our sister churches in the Amazon and in India, northern remote parts of India. And let me tell you, they, they have very little. They have uh, spotty electricity. They got sketchy water. And they have no indoor plumbing. And they are joyful. They are joyful. So the joy can't be coming from those kinds of things, right? It's it's a heart problem. And, And we don't need to be preoccupied by the things that are distracting us from God. And so the question I need to ask myself is, what am I being preoccupied with? What is that thing of the Lord that is not getting attention because I'm preoccupied with the things of this world? What is capturing my mind hour by hour and day by day? You know, is it money? Deadlines, chores, routine? If your focus is on money, let me tell you, you will find out that your life is a life of having never enough. Because when you have money, you're just always seeking more. When you're focusing on that. If it's, uh, and, and by the way, how much scrolling through Zillow do I really need to do? I'm, See how much houses are worth. If it's deadline and chores or routine, my life becomes a focus of this never-ending treadmill. The source of the discontent is a matter, I believe, of spiritual captivity. I I think Paul wrote it perfectly in Romans chapter 7, verse 22. In Romans 7, 22, this is what he said. He said, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being. He's saying, I love the Lord. I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. There's there's spiritual warfare. I believe we're getting caught up in this this captivity uh, and and we need to break loose of that. So, So do you use money or does the love of money run your life? Do you wear clothes or are you a slave of fashion? Uh, You know, we need to change the conversation. What am I focusing on? Am I focusing on the external things or am I focusing on the heart problem? And that's what I want to say. Find the source of the problem. Is it really the external things? Is it really the hurt? Or is it what's happening happening inside the heart? Because, you know, if I'm focused on the heart, 
I want you to know Jesus wants to pour into your heart. He wants to pour into your heart fullness. He wants to pour into your heart blessing. He wants to, he wants to pour into your heart peace. And the spiritual warfare is real, but we got to change the conversation. And the focus can't be on all these things out there. Next thing. He says in verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. The, the birds, they don't take part in agriculture. Okay, they're not sowing. They're not tilling the wheat. They're not collecting it and putting it in barns. But your heavenly father feeds them. He said he takes care of them. And he said, are you not of more value than they? And the obvious answer he's trying to say is yes. And then he says, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? Uh, by a show of hands, I want to know, is there anybody in this room that by worrying, you know your life is going to be longer? You know that by worrying and focusing on the problems that you are actually adding minutes and days and hours and... No, it just seems longer. But, <laughs> being preoccupied doesn't help. You know, I, I've, I've known and continue to know people who are preoccupied with things of earth. I, I know people that are preoccupied with a slight something they felt was so disrespectful to them decades and decades ago. And it absolutely is inside them and they can't get over that. Um, people that are so concerned with the things they don't have at the time they don't have are sometimes just worried. And the worry gets us nowhere. So can we ask the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit, take away the useless thought. Take away the useless thoughts, the unhelpful hours of pity partying. And, and this is the point. Can we dispose of the mental clutter? Dispose of the mental clutter. We are surrounded by mental clutter, okay? Mental clutter. I'm, I'm talking about things like advertising. Advertising is mental clutter, okay? That's not where God is giving you directions. It's where Madison Avenue is trying to tell you what you need to buy next. Or, or social media clutter or political mental clutter. And here's, here's a real uh, novel kind of thought, unique kind of thought. What if we as church made a commitment that we were going to spend less time with our phone and more time with the Father? You think that might make a change? Spend less time with our phone, more time with the Father. Dispose of the mental clutter. When was the last time you took a Sabbath rest from your telephone? You know, I remember years ago, Telephones, they were connected to the wall and they had a cord, okay? And I, I grew up, my, my day, I don't know, some of the early phones some of you guys had, mine had the little rotator dial, you know. I wouldn't even press button at that point. But now, now, and I used a phone to talk to people. Now, sometimes it's like a phone uses us and keeps us captured. So, so anyway, um, we need to take a Sabbath rest from our telephones and we need the Lord to show us what's important. What needs to be on the forefront and what needs to be on the periphery and what needs to be on the back burner and what needs to actually be in the trash. And we need the Lord to do that. So we need to dispose of the mental clutter, but we need him. We need to change the focus and let him help us do that. Let's move on to verses 31 and 32. He says, therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Um, I bet a lot of you, but not all of you, uh, but a lot of you are going to ask yourself this question this week or maybe even today. Uh, where do you want to go and eat? Anybody? That's going to be a conversation my wife and I are going to have sometime today. Okay. Where should we go to eat? Okay. I guess I'm the only one that does that, right? Yeah. Where should we go to dinner? Okay. You know, uh, it's not a bad question. We deal with this all the time. We live in a town with a lot of restaurants and sometimes we eat at home. And, uh, but I shouldn't let that be the focus of my day. Finding the best restaurant will never bring you fulfillment in life. No matter what TripAdvisor tells you. Okay? It won't bring you fulfillment. Fulfillment doesn't come from food. Fulfillment comes from the Father. And the point I want to make is the best solution to our anxiety, the best solution to the things that we're dealing with comes in the form of who, not in the form of what. 
Okay, it's in the form of who, not what. And so we need, need to change the conversation. It's not what are we going to have for dinner, but who do we trust to bring provision into our life? Where are we going to go today, but who is going to be leading my steps day by day, minute by minute? Do I trust Jesus? Do I trust his red letters? You know, Jesus in this passage, he said that the things that fill our lives in that day, money, food, clothes, that these are needs that we can trust God for providing. And so the focus is not on finding these needs. The focus is on following the Lord Jesus Christ, seeking his kingdom, seeking his righteousness, and, and then trusting in God to take care of all of these things. You know, I need to use money, okay? I use money, but I trust the Lord. I wear clothes, but my identity is not in fashion. If my identity were tied up in the label that I wear, you guys would be calling me Target. Okay? <laughs> I take in food, but I need Jesus. But money and, and clothes and food, they're for a time, but eternity, that goes on forever. And we need to be focusing on the things that go on forever. And then as we uh, begin to wrap this up, he brings us all into a conclusion. He says, this is what we need to do as we respond to God's care. This is what we need to do, responding to a God who loves us and says, I will take care of your needs. Even though you're worried about them, I will take care of your needs. He says this, seek first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first being in his kingdom. Are you in the kingdom of God? Are you in the family of God? You know how you get into the kingdom of God, the family of God? You accept that free gift of salvation that Jesus Christ offers to each and every one of us in this room. That's how you seek the kingdom of God. You know, all of us are sinners. All of us have, have done things that keep us out of heaven. And the only thing that makes us perfect for heaven is when Jesus makes us perfect for heaven. And so we, we trust in him. We commit to him for forgiveness of our sins. And we commit to him as Lord of our lives. And when we do that, we make that commitment. That's called faith. Jesus says, if you respond in faith to my gift, then you receive that gift of eternal life. If you have never made that decision to trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to do that. It's the most important thing that you can do. Trust in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that, that if you don't sing the kingdom of heaven, you end up in the other kingdom, the kingdom of hell. And so we need to seek the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, the kingdom of God. And it doesn't say that we stop eating and stop managing money and stop wearing clothes. But while we're on earth, we're stewards of these things. These things are, are things that we're to manage. They're not to manage us. We're to rule over them. They're not to rule us. So on earth, we take care of the earthly business. And so if God has given us responsibility over a certain amount of money, and a certain amount of clothing, and a certain amount of food, then, then we take responsibility for using it according to his purposes. But we change the conversation. And the conversation is this. I'm going to live for heaven, not for earth. I'm going to be here on earth and I'm going to use whatever God puts at my disposal for his glory and his honor. I'm not going to live for earth. I'm going to live for heaven. So live for heaven, not just earth. And that takes a transformation. How does that transformation occur? Well, you trust in Jesus. He plants the Holy Spirit in your heart. He begins that transformation. That's what it is. Romans chapter 12. Romans 12 is my favorite chapter in all the Bible. I love Romans 12. And in verse 2, it says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul was saying what Jesus was saying. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Be transformed by the things that Jesus Christ is leading and not just the things you see here in the earthly existence. And that's the radical life-changing truth of Jesus is that I'm living for life forever with Jesus in heaven. Not just for things on earth. The things will go away. But Jesus is forever. If you have not received him as your Lord and Savior, and you can pray right now, where you are, your eyes can be open or closed, it doesn't matter. 
You can pray right now to say, Lord Jesus, I am trusting in you for forgiving my sin. It doesn't matter what kind of guilt. It doesn't matter what kind of regret you have for life previously. You say, Lord Jesus, I need your forgiveness and I'm committing to follow you. I'm going to commit this day forward to you. And if you make that commitment and it's real, that's faith. And Jesus will begin that process of transforming your life. He'll bring you, he'll bring you the assurance of eternal life. You'll be a new creature in him. And if you've not done that, if you do that today, you'll have made the most important decision of your life. And you will be blessed. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you give us truth. Lord, I I thank you that you give us victory, even in the midst of a broken world. And Lord, we are anxious. We're anxious about war that is occurring. We're anxious about violence that is occurring. Lord, we are anxious and worried, Lord, about those that, that prey on children and the weak. And Lord, I pray that you would help us have the commitment to do whatever steps we need to do here on earth as your stewards and as your messengers and as your ambassadors. But Lord, help us not to just trust in our own actions, but to trust in you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In your precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. We're coming to a time of response. If the Lord's calling you to respond in any way. Maybe you want to be a member of Anastasia. You know, we're on this mission to help people embrace the life-changing truth of Jesus Christ. If you want to be a member of this church, you just come forward and we'll help you take that step. If you want to be baptized, I invite you to come forward. If you've not been baptized yet, you know, the Bible says repent, be baptized, that your sins may be blotted out. We know that's not a salvation issue, but we do know that it's a first step of obedience. If you want to be baptized, why not come forward and say, hey, I'd like to schedule baptism. And we'll help you take that next step. We have a beach baptism for June 26th. Or maybe God is calling you uh, just to pray to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Whatever God's calling you to do, I invite you to come. As we stand and as we sing, if the Lord is leading you, you come. Receive your blessing from God's word, the grace 
of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go out now to live lives that demonstrate the priority of God in every area of your life. And all God's people who pledged to do so said, Amen. Amen.